Hi everyone, welcome to the All Inclusive Podcast, where each week I chat with industry experts and diversity, equity and inclusion executives from the world's leading global brands who share their knowledge, experience and actual takeaways to help inclusive employers create cultures of belonging where everyone can thrive. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Neil Griffiths. He is the Global Head of Diversity, Equality and Inclusion at ERM. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for having me, Natasha. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's kick off with telling our listeners a bit about you and your journey to where you are today. Sure. Um, so I, I spent the, the early part of my career in um, communication and PR roles, actually. Um, and so through that, I became an accredited business communicator. I'm, I'm a chartered PR practitioner a fellow of the International Association of, of Business Communicators. So a, a fairly sort of seasoned history in, in the comms and, and PR space. Um, and I've been at my, my current company, ERM, for about eight and a half years. And it was here that I moved into DE&I work. Um, I, was, I started off in, as a, as in the communication team at, at ERM, um, but took on the global mandate for DE&I in, in 2019. Um, I'm married. My husband and I have have two kids, um, both of which we adopted at birth. Um, I've lived and worked across three continents um, and I've spent my life really sort of drifting in and out of majority and minority groups. There's, there's a great quote that I heard um, a while back that um, identity is situational and, and I feel like that's been quite a good description of, of my, my, my journey. Um, on DE&I because you know whether that's being in a a, a linguistic minority or a, or a, a, a otherwise kind of cultural minority as, as part of that experience living and working in, in different parts of the world I feel like I bring a lot of that into the the work that I do um, and again you know someone who's first generation university educated coming from a um, sort of a very different background than a lot of people who are worked in uh, who are working in DE&I sort of bringing a lot of that perspective into the to the program at ERM and into the work that I do. Oh great fantastic well I'm interested to know because you've you've touched on saying that you've come from a communications and PR kind of background initially um, and now you've moved into DEI how has your kind of previous roles within communications helped you with your current role now? It's an interesting one I think because I mean it's clearly not the same role right I mean that's that's probably an understatement but but I feel like um, having a background in communication actually sets you up quite well for for DE&I work and there's a number of reasons for that really but I mean chief among them is, is the fact that communication in my view is a huge part of of DE&I um, you know there's there's the the adage that um it's it's about the the journey not the destination um and i think oftentimes with dei work the journey is what matters more in fact to to a lot of people um versus you know have you arrived at a certain point and the communication process around that journey is really important so whether that's um you know helping people understand what you've put in place on on various uh, measures, whether that's gender representation, ethnicity in the organisation. I, I don't think that stakeholders are necessarily expecting you to be there tomorrow, but if you're letting them know 
the progress that you're making over time i think that 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 sort of stakeholder engagement that communication process is is really important so having that as a sort of a way of working i think is is a really um it's a really helpful uh, background to have i think and and also that sort of stakeholder understanding that stakeholder engagement you know being able to think about who's impacted by this work and how are they impacted and what does that mean for the program what does that mean for um, the way that we go about implementing DEI related initiatives so that sort of stakeholder analysis stakeholder understanding and, and engagement which is a core competency as a communicator i think that that also helps um with the the the, the DEI work and i would say finally probably you know one of the um the, the helpful things is that like DEI for many organizations, um, communicators have had to make the case for investment in good communication, great communication um, across organizations. So having sort of lived that experience in, in my comms roles, I think it's, it's sort of helped me um, just be realistic, I guess, about where the organization is um, and how how to get it on the the organizational radar um, and the strategies there I, I think there's a i suppose there's a how do you make it successful for the organization view of that but also personally you know not not taking the setbacks to uh, to you know too much to heart because I, I guess i've been um conditioned by my experience in in the communication space it's said time and time again i think with with dei there's there's a lot to do and whilst we've got to a stage where we can see that the business case has already been made mm -hmm. so the research is there there's still a lot more that that could be done I think with regards to like the numbers and the stats and things but there is enough to to kind of show to to key stakeholders that this is going to make a difference but yeah it's it's one thing showing people figures it's another thing kind of putting your money where your mouth is kind of thing so yeah. um and it's we're human beings so when you get that no it's I feel like it, it's always gonna hit um hit hard yeah but for sure sometimes if you can build up a thick skin which yeah. it sounds like from what you've experienced through your previous roles within comms and, and PR you've kind of built that up a little bit so you've got a bit of an intolerance to, to some yeah. of those no's yeah. and actually yeah. you can probably objection handle a little bit more as well so you can kind of yeah. cut through some of those initials mm, I'm not too sure mm, to actually turning it around to yeah this is totally something that we need to do and we can we're quite happy to back you in it yeah that's that totally it. That, that tenacity point is is really important i think so from your experience what steps do you think organizations should be taking in order to achieve diverse equitable and inclusive workspaces oh golly have we got all day <laughs> <laughs> my i suppose everybody says that um I'll, I'll talk about it in the way that we've we've tackled it at ERM. Yeah. Um, because we we were definitely one of the organisations, um, you know, six or seven years ago that were perhaps um, almost singularly focused on on issues. For us, we you know we're an organisation that started with gender and gender representation. Um, we're obviously in the the STEM environment um, in in the kind of work that that we do at ERM in environmental and, and safety consulting um, and so the, the the gender challenge has been there for for quite some time um, 
when we really got serious about DEI um, back in 2017-18, one of the early things that we did was to take an organization-wide view of DEI. So moving away from those sort of single issues and thinking about how this cuts across the entire organization. Um, we, we discovered what was then called the, the Global Diversity and Inclusion Benchmarks Model, um, which is now Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Benchmarks Model. Um, and it's been a really useful framework for us to demonstrate how DEI filters into everything, whether that's just overall leadership and, and leadership capability um, into very specific things like recruitment, um, you know, benefits and, and flexible working um, through big, big topics like uh, communication and learning, uh, and then through more sort of external facing aspects like supplier diversity and um, marketing and service development. Um, and it's just enabled us to have a real different kind of conversation. So instead of it being, you know, how are we going to get more of this kind of person? It, it's been about what do we need to do in the way that we operate? What do we need to change in the way that we go about our work? And what kind of things do we need to be considering as we, we are taking things to market? Just change the nature of the conversation entirely. Um, and, and I think, obviously, it's going to be very different depending on the kind of organization you are. But just having a, a, a sense of how it filters into the way of working, I think is, is, is really a, a, sort of a, a critical success factor. Yeah, it makes sense though, doesn't it? I think, because when people think DEI, a lot of people think people, obviously, mm -hmm. and um, how can we create this workspace for the people that are working here? How can we gain that that talent? Um, but I think sometimes it, not enough thought is going into kind of the actual operation of the business as a whole, mm -hmm. not just its mm -hmm. employees, but actually in every single department, like where does DEI sit with in the way in which we function? How are we servicing our customers? Um, really? It all plays a, a critical part in in the overall makeup of, of, of creating that workspace. Um, yep. So I totally agree with that. I think that that sounds interesting. For you, what was one of the challenges though in, in doing that? Because it's you, you've got a big business. ERM is, is a big company. Big. So how do yeah. you, how do you feel, how do you touch all of these different parts? I, th I think that that's actually it. it. It was the scale, I think. Um, and, and I know there's, there's organizations that are much larger than we are, but, but I, th I think it was just, how do we elevate this as a, as a global conversation and getting everybody sort of on board uh, with it and I, and I would say having shifting that conversation from diversity and representation towards inclusion was actually a, a critical factor in that and we did that very early on you know um, it's Janet Stovall who, who famously says that you know diversity is a numbers game and and whilst you can mandate your way to diversity you have to cultivate inclusion and and that we really sort of focused on quite early on um, because inclusion is more about the culture that you want to see, the kind of organization that you want to become. So we've been very careful to, to sort of talk, you know, have a conversation about inclusion from, from early on. And the strategy has been about bringing, bringing more of a culture to life than anything else. In our very specific case as well, what, what we do for our clients is to operationalize sustainability. So we don't kind of just um, stop short at, once we've said, you know, this is how your organization can be more sustainable. And, that, and by the way, that's a very simplified version of what we do. <laughs> um, but 
we also then go and help organizations to implement and to, to make sure that the, that sustainability strategy is workable, is, is implementable. And, and that model of thinking through that issue and helping to put things in place and mechanisms and measures to make it work, we apply to DE&I as well. Mm-hmm. So we've thought about how do we operationalize this? How do we actually bring it to life? Um, and, and I, you know, that's a, a a strong recommendation I would make for other people perhaps listening to this is to think through you know it's not just having the big DE&I idea it's then thinking about how to make that actionable and bring that to life in your organization and and one way of we going back to the global challenge and, and how we address that is that we've actually put in place an operational framework um, we've now got DE&I leaders within each of our regions that work closely with our regional management teams to to help them think about what needs to be done and and to you know get on with some of the doing oh that sounds fantastic what do you think is something that some of the DEI leaders aren't talking enough about when it comes to to DEI oh uh good question (laughs) how hard it is maybe um you know that there's there's a lot out there that tells us what what good looks like how it should be um and um you know lots of different models that that are very helpful but i but i I don't know that we talk enough about just frankly how difficult it is um you know to get it right and and to um to to put things in place and and to action everything that we know is the right thing to do i I mean that's that's definitely um one one thing that i would say but i guess um also just thinking about how how are we working DEI into overall sort of business or organization strategy? Mm. I, I don't know that we we have that conversation enough, um, and that's not one size fits all by any means because you know each organization has its own strategy. But I I don't think that I see that out there enough um, in terms of good examples of how an organization has done that. You know, here's how we connected the dots and um, and and. Sh- sort of demonstrated where DEI fits into um, the organization from a strategic perspective. Do you think um, it's because not a lot of organizations have got it integrated into kind of, they've not really thought about it yet. Is that why you feel that they're not speaking about it? Possibly, possibly. Or we haven't really connected the dots very well ourselves. I mean, one of the things that we've observed over the years is that, you know, we've, we've put in an awful lot of um, effort and and we've actually come a really long way but we, I'm not sure that everybody really knows that you know initiative x or or y is is coming from a DEI place or indeed that it actually connects to you know point a or point b of the strategy I just don't know that we've we've really sort of done a great job of connecting it all up so it's just stepping back from it I think often and and saying okay yes actually you know organizations moving in this direction and this is how DEI has helped us to get there yeah do you have you got an idea of of how we can solve that problem <laughs> <It's> probably... <laughs> well it, it is just taking the time to do it I think mm. quite honestly it goes back to that whole storytelling piece as well right it, it's seizing those opportunities where you can get that the you know your stakeholders to understand this this came from a, a, a place of um you know, intersection between strategy and, and DEI. So, if if I take what we did last year, we did a review of um, 
our parental leave policies around the world. Um, and what we wanted was to make sure that we had um, a, min a global minimum provision. So no matter where you were in the world with an ERM, you could guarantee that you would get um, the, the, same the same sort of basic provision as, as anywhere else in the world. Obviously, if um, different countries go beyond that minimum, then that would apply, but, but there's just some consistency. And that's also in terms of um, who that policy applies to, because not all families are, are the same. So there's a, you've got adoptive families, you have um, uh, same-sex families, you know, there's lots of different considerations there. And so that policy was aimed at making it equal and, and open for, for all. Um, and, and I think, it, it, again, it could be sort of tempting to see that as a people-based initiative, that it was, you know, benefits initiative, but it, it, in our case, it really wasn't. It was coming from a DEI place. But then th linking back to the strategy, we've obviously, in a competitive talent market, we need to put things in place that attract the, the best people and make it really hard for those that are here to, to want to say goodbye to us. So, you know, giving people reasons to stay versus reasons to leave, that's an organizational priority. So again, I think it's really easy to, to make those connections and, and join up those dots, but it just takes the time and the effort to do it. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, thanks so much for sharing that, Neil. What's one of the projects that you're working on now that you're most excited about? Oh, there's a lot in the, in the hopper at the moment. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about two. Um, one, one is um, we're really sort of getting our supplier diversity uh, approach off the ground. We, it's not something that we've been um, particularly strong at. And, and going back to the, the benchmarks that we use to help us measure our maturity, it's still one of our lowest uh, scoring categories. So I'm really pleased that we're getting something off the ground there. Um, at the moment, we're just trying to understand the, the diversity that exists within the, the supplier uh, uh, base that we use and work with. But then from there, we'll be able to start setting targets and and um, and really putting putting things in place that that drive our performance in that space. So that's really exciting. It's been a long, long time in the making. Um, and then the other one would be around um, inclusive leadership. So uh, one of the well, the theme of of our plan this year is um, inclusion every day. Because whilst we've put a lot of the sort of the foundational pieces in place, and like I said before, we've come a a pretty long way over the past several years we just want to make sure that every single day our people are, are feeling included they're feeling that sense of belonging they're seeing the behaviors and the actions that that show that we we mean what we say um when when we say we're an inclusive organization um and so we just want to um equip and enable and and enhance the the capability across our our leaders within the organization so we're we're looking at a, a sort of a capacity building approach there, which I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, from what, I mean, from speaking to leaders like yourself and, and and throughout the year, I feel like there's a lot of initiatives that that everyone's been putting in place to reach this goal. And I feel like now we're kind of getting into the point or the stage really where where's the results? Like, can we actually see mm -hmm. the action? Like, does it actually mm -hmm. feel as though that the workplace mm -hmm. is, is being more inclusive? does the like do you know what I mean like I think I do. um I totally agree I think it's it's important to be. actually yeah, yeah yeah it's like the sustainability element of it I think we really need to make sure that like not everyone's just talking the talk like we're actually 
walking it and there's yeah. action and, and people feel like a difference has been made um yep. so that sounds great that that it's exciting it does definitely sound really exciting and I wish you all the best for that because I think it's, thank you it's no I'm looking forward to it for sure yeah uh, great um I mean Neil I've had so much fun um speaking with you today um I think that you've given us some really great information to our listeners and it's really interesting and great to hear the great stuff that you're doing at ERM. I would just like to to thank you again for coming on the show. Just before you leave us, what's your parting piece of advice that you would give to aspiring DEI leaders? Oh, um, golly. I, I, I suppose it would be part of what I've said already in terms of, you know, making that connection to strategy I think that that's that's a really important next step for us as we move our organizations through their their DEI journey um, and and getting connected to data I think being really data driven sets you up to have a, a different kind of conversation you know the numbers don't lie um, the data is the data and, and it's really hard to argue with data so so whilst you might um, you know go back to those those setbacks and those knockbacks I was talking about earlier, um, you might have more of those, I think, if it's more a, like a gut recommendation that you're making, you know, it, it just feels like the right thing to do. If you're having a conversation that's saying, look, here's, here's where we are, you know, this, this is what the numbers are showing. Um, I, I feel like that's really hard to argue with. So starting there as early as possible is probably not a bad shout. Yeah, definitely. Great advice. Thanks again, Neil. Um, and how can our listeners connect with you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn mostly, I would say. I, I dabble with with Twitter. I am there every now and again, but it um but you can find me on LinkedIn. Um if just if you can't find me um just with a Neil Griffiths search, I think the 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 handle is N-E-G-R-I-F-F. Oh, fantastic. Well, I will be linking your profile um, below this episode. So Perfect. anyone listening, if you want to connect with Neil, um, just click on the link below and he'll definitely be able, you'll definitely be able to connect with him and follow the, the great stuff that he's doing at ERM. Um, once again, thanks again, Neil, for, for speaking with me. And I wish you all the best in, in the work that you've got with ERM. Thanks for having me.